City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. Okay, we're on the air, and this is uh, City Limits. It looks like it is, yeah. Um, City Limits, and um, I'm Kevin Healy. And Corey Green this morning, she rang in. She last night, Ken Mooney's in the studio this morning. He's coming to do an interview. But uh, Ken, last night, um, Corey told me she'd actually lined up the conch to play for you this morning. She was acceding to your wishes from last week, the conch, and. Um, she rang this morning to say she's got a cold and doesn't want to give it to us all, so that's pretty generous. But uh, anyway, we wish her well. Hope she gets over it quickly. One, because we don't like people to be sick, but two, we need her here, um, which is another point. <laughs> so uh, it's just me this morning. You, Ken, and um, Ronnie Karenny's pressing the buttons. Poor man. He, he's supposed to be out there working, but he's actually pressing buttons. But we might let him out for a fair while, because both our interviews this morning are in the studio. By that I mean the person is going to be in the studio, not on the other end of a telephone line, if you can follow that logic, which I can't. Um, and um, it's it's our third, second Wednesday, second Wednesday of the month, that's what it is. And it's there for energy and that sort of day. But we're going to talk to Ken first about an issue we raised a couple of weeks ago about the non-elected commissioners in the city of Brimbank flogging off public parkland to developers. And there's a campaign going on and there's an event next Sunday which Ken's in to talk about so we'll talk about that very shortly and um, in the second half of the program Lee Eubank who's the renewable energy person for Friends of the Earth's coming into the studio as well and he's going to talk about the current dispute around the renewable energy target which is going on where the government, this is an amazing story, in 09 both parties agreed to what 20% would be, 20% making by 2020 20% of energy in Australia being renewable and they set a figure of 41,000 kilowatts or whatever the thing is, megawatts, megawatts it would be and um, they... Uh, and they said, that's OK. But, of course, what they've discovered since is, with, and I think everyone knows the story now, with, with people putting solar panels on, with less people, people conserving energy, with the prices going up and people trying to use less, the 41 would be closer to 27%. Now, you'd think if they wanted renewables to work properly, they'd say, isn't that good? There's more than we thought. But no, the government wants to drag it right back to 31,000 megawatts. Um, so, and there's a big dispute as to what it should be. But the incredible thing is that and the industry's yelling out, we can't invest, we need certainty, etc. But the government's saying the reason we can't get agreement is the Labor Party and the other parties involved will not uh, are to blame for the fact that there's no investment, having themselves changed, reneged on the deal they made in 2009. Now, having reneged on the deal, they then say, if people don't agree with us, they're causing the problem. Uh, which is pretty amazing, and it's only you, you say it's pretty amazing, except of course they're politicians. So really, it's pretty normal, Ken. I would have thought. I thought so. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. Good morning, Kevin, and that's good right. morning, listeners. There you are. So that's. I just thought I'd raise that one. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about that, and we'll talk about that. That relates also, of course, to the use of coal and the increasing use of fossil fuels, and a quite incredible figure last year because of this uncertainty over the renewable energy target. Last year. Uh, the investment in new renewable energy dropped 88% in one year, 88% in Australia. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? We'll discuss all that later in the program. 
Um, now, one event this week, though, which I'm sure you were pretty pleased about, Ken, um, Ian Harper, um, academic economist, um, who was appointed by Abbott, no, not by Abbott, his predecessor, Howard, some years ago, to run the the annual um, minimal, minimum wage increases, uh, or decreases probably in real terms, um, he was appointed to, to have a look at the, the, the economic system as well by the government, competition law, and he's recommended a lot of things um, which are very, very good for industry to get the old economy rolling along. But one of the more important ones, I think, Ken, because this does hurt, hurt the economy, secondary boycotts by unions, penalties should be increased from 750000 which we might think is pretty severe anyway, to a mere $10 million, Ken, $10 million. Well... It's absolutely criminal how and, and I'm, <laughs> the 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 pensions I they they want to put them on what do they call it the um they want to take it off the wages yes index. yes that's right well no, I think look uh, while you're talking I'm going to pour a cup of tea you want a cup of tea Ronnie say yes he just yes. said yes yes okay <laughs> right. okay now I'll put it up here close to the mic but Ken it's a bit useless because well, you're not around to no. No, but anyway, other people do like to hear it, so there we I can I can hear it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Can no. I be excused for a few minutes? No, no, you can't, <laughs> you can't go to the toilet. You've got to stay there. You're stuck. Uh, you're stuck, old love. Just hang in. Okay, but, here we are. Ronnie, there you are. But right. the thing is that um, the thing is we uh, capitalism's getting worse and worse and worse, and um, hopefully there is. People to to really get out and the Labor Party to do no, or the Liberal Party are, to do something. There are people because you've got the wrong. Thing. So we've got to we've got to really do something to change everything. And um, we've been saying that came for about fifty well, years. When 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 we were young, we thought there was going to be big changes, didn't uh, we? And the and the movement was week. there. Revolution next week. Something went wrong, and um, definitely. And, okay. Anyway, we've just got to keep on fighting. Now, while they're saying that they need these 10 million fines and all these other things, in the age in the last couple of days, they've had stories. One was, it was it the last couple of days, it might have been, I think it was, it was Monday, yeah, Monday. Uh, Murdoch, four and a half billion shipped to US slips our tax net. Now, they say that, because they love it, this is the other, other, the rival media empire, so they're going to attack the other one. This story didn't appear in the Murdoch empire, by the way, you'll be surprised to know. But Murdoch's media empire in the US has siphoned off four and a half billion of cash and shares from his Australian media business in the past two years, virtually tax-free. And the story goes on and on. It's a report um, by calculations by University of NSW accounting academic Jeffrey Knapp. And then there was a story yesterday in the same paper in the... um, in the age about, was it yesterday or was it in the last, I think it was yesterday, um, they had, had a story about the fact that, oh, it was now the Financial Review it was yesterday, that had said BHP and Rio Tinto are siphoning off heaps and heaps of money again tax-free. And the way they're doing it is they've got, a, they've got an entity in Singapore, which is BHP or Rio Tinto Singapore, you sell the product, the iron ore or whatever, to the Singapore thing at a very, very low cost. You're really losing lots of money on it here. They on sell it to China at massive profit, 
and that profit then is transferred to Switzerland and ultimately to the Netherlands as some sort of you know, moving around the world thing. But in, in the course of all that, they pay 2.5% on the massive profit they make out of all that. That's the allegation in yesterday's audit. I presume it's more than an allegation. They've looked at their facts in yesterday's age. So you've got all these companies doing all that, but the big problem we face is secondary boycotts by unions who have to pay $10 million in fines. Ken? Well, you haven't got your facts right, have you? Eh? You're supposed to talk the other See, look, we could resolve, and it's taking their terms, when, and, and what they say. They <coughs> stated that over 40% of multinationals don't pay tax. Well, you and I could fix it up overnight, couldn't we? They would be paying tax, and that's it. our problems would be finished overnight. And, I mean, we'd still have problems because we've yeah, got there's, to... The, there's one flaw in your plan there, Ken. You want to, did you pick it up very quickly or not? Well, that's beside the point. You and I could fix it up. That's, that's the right. flaw in your plan. How do, we well, get, how do we get into that position? Well, I, someone else, someone else. How do we get in that position? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the sentiment's great, but uh, the actual... Um, but I'm saying, in fe- I didn't the say in, out of in, is not in, so good. in the, theory, the carriage, the delivery. In theory, we could fix it up. Yes, we certainly could. And we've got a lot of friends who could fix it up. <laughs> yeah, in theory, we could. Fix, in theory, we could fix up the problems in West Papua for uh, Ronnie over there too. But we that's can't. correct. Oh. Couldn't we, Ronnie? Well, it's, when I was a, yeah, when, <laughs> when I when I was a kid at school, I learned that New Guinea was the whole lot. And That's I'm a correct. Bit, I'm a bit yep. confused now because... the name of the island. Um, mm. I'm a bit confused now because one part's Indonesia and the other part is they're trying to... Get, Indonesia's trying to get. <laughs> well, the confusion part so, is the colonialism that they throw the stone and separates that island, New Guinea, which they, you know, the eastern side is Papua New Guinea and the western side... Yes, which is West Papua. That's right. All to where colonists. And, and, of course, Germany at one stage held Bougainville, so it, it sort of it's, it's out there separately. But, but in, in real terms, if it, if it was aligned to anyone, it should be aligned to the Solomons, where they have much more, um, they're much more racially aligned to the people. And the same, yeah, fact, and the also same. on the northern um, coast of um, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, you know, in fact, when I was on Bougainville, there was—I mean, there was this race, virtually racist thing happening where the the people on Bougainville called the mainlanders brown skins or something, and the people on the mainland, particularly at Rabaul, which was probably the nearest town at the time, uh, called them black skins. They were actually, you know, attacking <laughs> each other. I mean, it's just yeah, well, but, but all because colonial boundaries put people together who shouldn't be, and that's you know, we've said it many times, but across particularly across Africa and now in the Middle East as well, there are countries that were never meant to be countries, um, religion, uh, race, etc., divided simply by where commoners drew bloody boundaries. And so much of what's happening in the world, many of the problems go back to that. They certainly do. And the Americans have got a lot to answer for, and they're the greatest war criminals that have ever been. Yeah, yeah, they are at the moment, Kim, but a lot of that was was England, France, oh, Portugal, look, look, of course, Spain. Of course, of course, of course, of course, but I'm saying at the moment, of, co- of course it is, and even now, if you have a look what's happening in the world today, it's still the same people, mm. led by the But Yanks. they're the good people who, who run the world and know what we need. Yes, that's right. So I thought you'd understand Well, that. you've got to sell your weapon somewhere. 
I just want to raise another point. Having mentioned the Herald Sun and the fact that it didn't mention anything about those tax, particularly Rupert Murdoch's own tax, well, sorry, his tax arrangements. Let's let's call it what it is because it's legal. They may point it out; it's quite legal. His mates um, make the law. Yeah, that's right. Well, the Herald Sun, of course, will not let um, a- um, Andrews go. And I've got no, t- you know, I've got no case to run for Andrews. But they they just this relentless attacks we've mentioned time and again, and even yesterday, yet again, big headline in the centre spread. Tunnel vision damage, Labor's east-west threat to sovereign risk. And this article saying how terrible it is, and if he had any guts, he'd build it anyway, because that's what you've got to do and relieve congestion in Melbourne. Written by Tony Smith, a Liberal federal MP. So that's that's pretty... That's very that's biased. Objective yeah, coverage. Oh, of objective, course it is. Objective yes, coverage. Yes. And it's got... But going with it, there's a... Uh, uh, they're playing on the risky business um, film thing, and they got Dan Andrews' risky business as a film thing, you know, and just and um, hi, I'm Dan from Victoria, and I'm the guy who tore up the last contract. So it's just relentless attacks day after day. And there was one story through the week which they probably couldn't avoid, which actually was saying something good the government had done, but it was buried on a left-hand page back near the comics somewhere, just tucked away there where you'd have a lot of trouble finding it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just want to mention that. Little bit of sarcasm there. No, I no, see. no, no, Can whatever. Be silly, no, be silly. On the other hand, if they do try to do anything about um, about tax, Ken, uh, and I've only got two other things I want to say before we go to you, so don't get, don't start to panic too much. No, um, I'm not panicking. The, the, they, they they talk about the government says it might bring in a uh, a tax on bank deposits, um, five hundred million a year tax on bank deposits. But the banks say, well, this is terrible because we'd have to pass it on to our customers. Now, gee, that's that's a, that's a bolt from the blue, Ken. More fees for customers in the banks. Well, and they're also talking about. Um, dividend imputation, which is where people can, because of other tax arrangements, people can get their shares without having to pay tax. But they're talking about introducing that, and the industry says this is terrible. It could, uh, it could, it could destroy keep tax. In fact, the headline is keep tax credits raise GST because the rich feel that if they had to pay tax on their shares, it'd be a problem. But the poor should pay for everything they buy, which is it's only fair. And in oh. fact, one one person tells us that dividend imputation is the linchpin from which an enormous but unrecognised capital recycling system has sprung up over decades. It's good for the whole economy, she says. So there you are. So well, don't matter of raise fact, the idea of taxing the rich, for God's sake. A sense. matter of fact, you've made me feel that guilty. I think I'll donate my wife's pension back to the government. You could. I'm going to refill my... Hang on, pour some more tea. Do you want some more tea, Ronnie? How are you going? He's OK. Thumb don't thumb me up. He doesn't he like did, it, obviously. He did. Yeah, that was, a, that was a rejection. I took that as a rejection. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 I just want to mention again in the Herald Sun, because we're building up now there... Oh, there were two things, actually. I was going to raise with Corey, but she isn't here, obviously, to raise it with. She went to that rally last Saturday. Did you go to that? He, no, I didn't. That took a long time to say. You, you no, I was, to I, was, I, know, I was... I know at your age, three days for people to remember, but I thought you might remember what you did well, last I'm week. Running, I'm running up behind you, Kevin, and I, I'm starting <laughs> okay, to get okay, very, okay, very, okay, okay. very, very, very... 
forgetful. All right, that took a while. But anyway, because Corey was there, and they, I mean, the previous week there was a massive rally on the Sunday of, of, of supporting refugees and asylum seekers, which the Herald Sun managed to squeeze in not one word, not I even went a to word, that. not I a went line. To that. I went to that. But because there was a rally where the coppers got involved and horses and a few people, you know, there were a few punches thrown, etc., cetera, uh, with racists attacking um, non-racists, uh, Big coverage in the Herald Sun, and the and the the emphasis the emphasis was on the fact that the non-racist shouldn't have the anti-racial group anti-racist group should not have been there, and in fact the usual suspect Herald Sun columnist came out and said that they were denying these people their right to free speech as he had been denied himself by the courts mm. in this country, and they they den- and the courts ruled against him on the specious grounds that what he said wasn't actually true. Mm. Mm, that's a pretty pretty specious ground. Well, do, I would you, have do you know do you know there's only one race? And that's called the human race. I was thinking of last Saturday at Ramley, but then they were caught off. There was no race. <laughs> <laughs> right. You still lost your money. <laughs> I managed somehow, yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought so. I thought but anyway, so. uh, the uh, court you always managed to find a way. But um Anyway, you're right, Ken. There's only one race, but yeah, but try telling that to people. Well, well, what he says, what the the usual suspect columnist says, of course, is that they should um, that they should uh, um, they should sit down and talk to each other and reason it out. That's how you do it. So you you go to the you go to the races rally and say, come across to the pub after you finish, and we'll have a chat about it. And talk reason. Well, that's the that's the solution. Um, yeah, do you want to say? I can. Re- Sorry, go on, mate. No, but I was going to just mention this morning, um, breakfast show um, did also cover on that. And um, the way the message that Reclaim Australia organizes coming coming out, it's really sending that um, racist message already to the public. And it it doesn't, you know, Mm. it shows that, yeah, what the anti-racism organizers coming out to really send us message that we don't want us to spread that. And, you know, it's already imminent in the way the slogans coming out and, you know, the indigenous um, mobs as well coming out to ask the question of that, the word reclaim Australia. Who are, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an interesting theory, isn't it? I mean, that's right. They're reclaiming it. Uh, well, maybe they want the Indigenous people to go back and run the place. Well, the thing is, the Aboriginal people can reclaim the place because they had it. That's what we just said. But we can't. We just said that. Cause yeah. That's right. We never have it. Yes, you do. I'm a bit yeah. thick. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah, we... OK. Um, but what I wanted to raise was they had a thing in the paper yesterday, the past couple of days, this little girl, eight-year-old, holding up this commemorative coin, uh, and it's a commemorative coin to honour all the, you know, the, the Anzac 100 years thing, and there's 14 different coins. And not only is it promoting the, the girl holding the thing, but they're giving away a free album. You can put your coins in, and you can, each day you can get a 20-cent coin from the Herald Sun for $3. By God. Which is a 1,500% markup, which I think is pretty good, um, with, for Rupert, and he can pay his 4.8% tax on that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and an, another day, of was yesterday, in fact, war life in real time, and again, social media will interact some of Australia's long-lost Anzacs as the stories of our greatest contributors are brought back to life like never before. And again, there's three kids from a private school uh, looking at this thing and learning about war and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, if, if they were kid, if you had kids doing that, wearing Islamic clothes and uh, they'd say this is brainwashing isn't it terrible they're using little children and brainwashing them but here um, it's not brainwashing it's education can kids learn about train killing well they're educating them lies aren't they 
Indeed, uh, it's yes, not education, is it? No, but indeed. But let's let's move on. Let's. Okay. I'm going to finish doing that. Another one I wanted to talk about, but I won't. I'll, I'm, we're running out of time. I'll talk to you. Okay, the issue out there: these parklands they were put in because the area anyway is. Um, you know, I think people know the western suburbs of Melbourne for a long time were the repository for waste and trade and abattoirs and all sorts of things. The noxious trades of Melbourne went there while the bosses went home at, at night over the bridge or back to Toorak or Brighton or somewhere. Exactly. Well, the whole they, they wanted to put all the noxious trade in Victoria in one spot, the home of government. And um, so uh, <laughs> 41 years ago when I shifted, my family and, and, and I shifted into a into a new house, uh, that's what we had to face us, and so there was only one thing to do was fight, to organise and fight, which mm. we did. And um, and the parkland, let's get to the issue, the parklands were put in as, as part of a bit of green space for people to have a bit of breathing space, and they're, they're essentially house blocks or a couple of house blocks together that are... The one that they want to sell is three house blocks, and um, they tried two years ago to sell... 20, there's 24 of them in Brimbank, and they tried to sell the whole lot. And um, the uh, uh, member of parliament who took George Seats' place, I can't think of her name. She's now the minister. Um, she's now the minister, and uh, she fought with the community, and uh, we we beat them. But uh, now I can't hear them. Even the lo- even our local member. She's saying, "Oh, I want to sit down and have have a cup of tea with them and discuss it and try." That's Marsha Thompson now. That's isn't that, that's right. Member, right. Well, we want her. I mean, she doesn't report back what she's doing completely, and um, she says, "Oh, you do your thing and I'll do my thing." Well, it's as far as we're mm. concerned, well, she on, should we, we be haven't our quite, voice. We haven't told people the guts because uh, we have mentioned on the program before, but recently, well, let's go back. About six or seven years ago, the, the then Labor state government sacked the Brimbank Council because of all sorts of terrible things the Labor Party Council was doing and co- senses of corruption and all sorts of things were going on. That's they, right. They claimed. That's now, right. they put in commissioners. The Liberal government got rid of the Labor commissioners they and put in their own commissioners. Yes, that's right. And those li- Liberal-appointed commissioners have now decided, have now voted to flog off this piece of parkland exactly. to a private developer. Exactly. And it's going to go out for tender, I assume. That's right, exactly. And uh, the thing is that um, these these uh, administrators couldn't care less about the community. And, and the last ones that were appointed by the Labor Party did actually, and one of them, who I worked very closely with, and I won't mention her name, she might get embarrassed over it, but the thing is she worked very well in Was the Was she community. the only she among them? She probably no 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 no. She just exposed her anyway. No, but any any anyway, she she did a brilliant job and she worked she worked with the people, and as soon as the Liberals got in, they they uh, sacked her. Now we're calling for the sacking of the administrators, and we want the Labor Party to appoint their own administrators. Now we really prefer a council, but it's a year and a half to go for a council. And being realistic and living in a capitalist country, they won't let that happen. Um, so we go for the second best. Yeah, and the next, we know the we next can round do of that. council elections are scheduled for October next year. I think it's councils. November. No, it is yeah, October. It's, it's October. It was brought back a month um, um, in the last round. So it's the state election in November every two, every four years, and every other every other two years the council elections in October. So um, so it's next year. But they could, of course, they there's no no reason to stop the government calling an election immediately if need be. No, but the thing is that they the thing is that they do that 
I mean, that'd be fantastic. But the thing is that um, uh, they're not going to do that. So we're, we're going for the second best. And yeah. I mean, they don't listen to the community. They had a hearing where the community came in to speak and they didn't even listen to us. And I mean, especially when <laughs> in Turak, there's a park, they're going to pull down four houses and it's $20 million. Mm. So, I mean, this is only just... Uh, it's not even dollars. What, what's the, what, have they given a, a reason why they've done this? Because there's a park um, a little over 300 metres away, a big park. But the thing is, it's right around a creek and you couldn't go and leave, let small kids go and play there and walk away. These other parks, you can but surely in modern urban society, you'd say the more parks, the better, rather than getting rid of something. Well, of course you would. I'm still trying to work out how in, in, in Turak they're going to pull down four houses that mm. cost $20 million, and these great dictators mm-hmm. are just... <laughs> it's marvellous. Three of them vote, and that's it. There's no real discussion with the How community. many commissioners are there? Three. Oh, that's it. So it was three nil. That's right. Right, three nil. Yes, right. So, so um, next Sunday you've got an event part of this program, part of this. Campaign. Well, we've been organising. We've um, we're going to have a sausage sizzle, and um, you could kill all the protesters before they start. We've <laughs> anything more healthy than sausages? No. Well, we, we, we're um, we're getting sausages from the butchers union, so I don't think they'd. Um, we're buying oh, them from I there. I wouldn't bet on them. And. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have full faith in the trade union movement, and especially the butcher union. <laughs> At this and moment, we're going to have a sausage sizzle, and hopefully enough people turn up. We've put three, we're putting three thousand leaflets through the area, and uh, hopefully we get enough people. Well, we always have. Um, we get enough people there to uh, to take the council on, and we'll take them on in. Uh, several ways. We'll have um, tree plantings there. We'll plant indigenous trees to the area, and which in the western suburbs, as well as being grassland, we were told that there was no trees there. That's mm. just rubbish. There was um, there was trees and trees and shrubs, and I've got um, I'm starting to grow them in in in, in my house in my um, in, in on my property, and um, they don't need water. They're, they're, I mean, I don't water if, if I don't water every day, and um, they're doing they're doing fine. So, mm. um, one of the awful things is, and it's a separate issue. It's, but, you know, it's a separate but related issue. The uh, so much of the northern and western indigenous grasslands around Melbourne have been destroyed by the. Oh, of course they have. Uh, of course they have. And uh, and they're, they're they're quite important in in ecological terms. Oh, there is importance for us. Mm. So I mean, it's just absolutely criminal. What's 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 happening? I mean, I'm just. I know the area is going to kick up, and if we get enough people, we're not leaving the park. You, you've raised. I know you have personally, and others at council gone to council meetings and raised the issue of, of a non-elected body selling the property of the people, which seems to me to be the most arrogant thing they could do. Exactly. They've got no uh, right. What's their response to that? Well, they just ignore it. They ignore what you say. I, I called them. Uh, I called I, uh, when, I, when 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 we had the hearing. I addressed addressed them as the junta, and um, I said very sarcastically, "If you don't understand, well, that would have won their hearts and minds, I imagine." Well, you're never going to win their hearts anyway. No. They're our enemies, and we've got to fight them. 
and and we we, we we've got that. If you have a look in uh, Thornbury, for a hundred years, there's been four parks one after the other, to a to a huge park that takes up a whole block called Flinders Street. I used to play there when I was a kid. I was brought up in Thornbury, and I mean, <laughs> they've never touched them. Mm. The only, there's only one reason why they're touching him here, and they tried to sell off the 24 in Brimbank. And the only reason why they want to touch him is for profit. They're not interested in people at all. One can imagine there's a lot of pressure on them from developers who want to get their greedy fingers on it. Oh, I'd, I'd say that's that's 100% correct. I'd say that um, there could be... Do you agree with me on that? I, yeah, I think there's... I think that... I think... See, ages ago... There was um, the, the, one of the reasons the, the, the council was sacked. Um, but uh, there was a couple of councillors who weren't particularly good. But the thing is, it was apartments of the the, the council, and they they were doing little things. And people within that that mm. we're investigating at the moment. I suppose one of the problems you you may face is that even if they had one now, or even at the end of next year when they do have a a council election, the same ALP type people could get back, couldn't they? Well, <laughs> our our friend, which uh, wouldn't improve things much for Brimbang, I would. Our think. friend Ian Mill got back. Remember when the well, the, don't go into names and things, but go on. Just, but, well, uh, he's well, dead. He's yeah, dead okay, now. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. But the thing is that um, when he were, well, he was sacked. I'm not. They couldn't. He was. He was sacked by. Uh, uh, and um, yeah, got then a when council got a history of being sacked out there. When the, when the council came back, the same councillors that were sacked got back. Mm. They bolted back. Yeah. So um, so uh, by the way, is our guest arrived? You know, our next guest, Kent Ronnie. I'm a result. I'm told. No, no. This is now. This radio is getting really exciting. Now is is our new guest? Is our sick next guest here? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I can get rid of Ken very shortly. All right. Well, look, give us the um, give us the details of next. Um, right. Sunday we're um, again. it's on map. It's on map forty, and um, it's Macubri number five, Macubri Avenue. We're going to have a sausage sizzle there, and what can happen in what happens in our suburbs can happen in yours. So we're looking for support too, and we're also looking for people in the western suburbs, and especially Sunshine and West Sunshine, to come along and join us, and let's start to fight them. And you want to put some sort of picket or something around there as well. Well, what yeah. we're going to do if we get enough people there, well, we won't be leaving the park, right? And if they decide to put a <laughs> Put a fence around it. We uh, will either st- take it down and, and um, uh, go in there, or or keep most of the fence around there and keep one of it as a gate and lock ourselves in. Okay, and um, so that's hopefully. Ne- and what time is that next Sunday again? Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. We're starting. Okay. Well, let's hope you get a lot of people there. Let's hope the whole thing works. And I think I've had, we've had since I um, in fact raised that. Um, on this program two or three weeks ago, we've had some response from listeners who were outraged by the fact that particularly a non-elected body can sell people's property. I think that's well, exactly that's right. the key where you've, you've really got to win it. I think. So we, but I, I, I would have thought it's interesting. Your Labor members of Parliament aren't supporting. Can I cut you off there? But Labor members of Parliament aren't aren't really giving you that much support. When one would have thought they would have been falling over themselves to help the local. Well, community. you think the minister would be, and um, I can't think of a name. It's uh, You'd think she would be, and you'd 
They've got, uh, you know, they've got to be pushed. Yeah. We've got to stand up again. Okay, we're going to piss you off now. All okay, right. that's it. Uh, thanks, Well, Ken, if you're going to be like there. that, I'll yep. go. Thanks that's very it. much. Uh, Ken Meridian, I'll, uh, we'll take a break, come back. We've got Lee Eubank in the studio. We're going to talk to him very shortly about renewable energy. Okay, there we are. And um, we've got Lee Eubank in the studio, who's the um, he's the renewable energy project officer or something, whatever his name's. What, what title have you got, Lee? It depends on the earth anyway. But that, that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds fine. That'll okay, do. That'll, that'll do. Okay, well, whatever we give you. Um, and, of course, we're here because, as I mentioned in the intro to the show, the way the government is wants to change the agreed um, the agreed target for renewable energy, um, which was supposed to be by 2020, 20%, and as we said, it was going to be closer to 27%. So instead of... One would have thought, though, Lee, at that point, when they said, it's gee, it's going to be 27, not 20, they'd say, isn't that good because we want renewable energy? So why are they upset that it's going to be more than they thought? Well, it is puzzling, isn't it? You know, we've got a, a government up in Canberra, you know, the Tony Abbott um, government, and they're trying to um, to axe a policy that's working really well. Mm. So it is quite puzzling. Um, the policy, the renewable energy target, it was um, guaranteeing at least 20% renewable energy um, for the country by 2020. Um, we are, as you noted, heading more towards 27% because people are taking this goal seriously. Okay. We've got well, let's just clarify that. It's 27% if they go for the 41,000 megawatts. Yeah, terawatt um, hours. Not terror hours, whatever yep. they're called. Yeah, I don't know what you're, but terror, okay, you know, terror hours. Uh, if they go for that, which was what they agreed in 09, both major parties agreed in 09 yep. at that point. Um, so if we got, if they, if that target was, they agreed to was actually the one they then went for, it would be 27%. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And so. And it might even be more because people might in the meantime. Well, use as well. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. And I mean, it, often people ask, well, what you know, why is it a fixed target? Why isn't it a, a relative percentage-based target? And I often just say, look, have you ever tried hitting a moving dartboard? Mm. You know, so the the best way to give certainty to the renewable energy sector is to say, this is the fixed target. We need you to deliver this by the end of the decade. And they were, were on track to do that. Um, all of the uncertainty that has been unleashed on the sector from the Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, and Greg Hunt, the Environment Minister, has really stalled um, the sector. You know, they can't secure the finance to build projects that are shovel-ready. Indeed, last year, um, investment in renewables dropped 88% in a year. And that's, Indeed. That's an incredible... Uh, that's an incredible fall, but it reflects, I guess, the, the massive uncertainty the industry is facing. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, globally, the trend is for more more investment in renewables. The rollout is gathering pace year after year. Yet in Australia, under the prime ministership of Tony Abbott, we've gone backwards and Australians aren't happy about it. Mm. In fact, indeed, as we dropped 88%, the rest of the world, generally speaking, increased quite dramatically, including countries that, you know, that are pretty high polluters. Yeah, that's right. And even, um, you know, conservative US states such as Texas, you know, they are one of the the world's leading wind energy economies. Um, So, you know, there are globally examples where even conservative um, governors uh, are really backing renewables in a big way. 
Of course, with the Bush family there, there was plenty of hot air around. But um, the uh, just a couple of the the comments um, uh, that you're really fighting against. I mean, having having when industry calls for certainty is one of their phrases in the last recent years. Usually, governments fall over backwards to give them that certainty mm. by doing everything they want and attacking workers, etc. But not when it comes to renewable for some reason. Yes, and uh, just just a couple of the quotes you might want to comment on. Abbott's quote last year: "Coal is good for humanity. Coal is." Good Good for prosperity. Coal was an essential part of our economic future. And in the recent um, intergenerational report, the previous one had made climate change the key to the whole thing for the next X number of years, the Labor one. The current one says it's difficult for individual governments to control or affect the collective and cumulative impact of human activity globally. But there is a role for the Australian government to continue in its efforts in leading and coordinating domestic environmental policies to drive better environmental management and economic growth for the generations to come. It's a much more watered-down version. Mm. Well, on the Prime Minister's coal is good for humanity comments, um, I think Tony Abbott you know, would, would be wise to go down to Morwell, where the um, community endured that you know, coal mine fire and the impacts. So this was a coal mine fire that burned for 45 days and 45 nights. Um, data... Um, examined by a local community group down there um, shows that 11 premature deaths occurred as a result of that event. So Prime Minister Tony Abbott should go and um, visit that community if he is a man of action and, you know, vi- you know, fighting fires and doing all the other things, then he ought to go down there and actually um, get a grip of what the impacts of coal are for people. Indeed, um, well, that's that's so. And the the age in the last couple of weeks, in fact, came out um, March sixth. This editorial saying that outside of government and the fossil fuel industry, support for the RET has straddled the political divide. A year has been wasted in this needless wrangling. A Senate estimates hearing was told recently the government's RET action set the industry back 12 years. Australia's overall investment in large-scale wind, solar and other clean energy sources reportedly fell 88% in 2014 to $240 million, etc. Meanwhile, the rest of the world reportedly lifted its thing, that point we made. But they're actually saying to the government, even the age is saying, pull your finger out and do something mm. about it. Absolutely. I mean, what's ruining the Australian renewable energy sector, um, it's costing jobs and investment, is this ideological approach to energy policy that the Abbott government is taking. Um, It's really unacceptable. It's out of step with the Australian community. Um, Poll after poll shows Australians want more solar and more wind energy. It's about time the government respects that view and allows us to to meet the renewable energy target as it stands. Mm. In fact, there was a, a um, report done last year uh, by uh, Crosby Textor, which is the Liberal government's <coughs> own research company, but it, it was, they were commissioned by a different group, but nonetheless, uh, they're a very conservative research firm, and they showed... Uh, awareness of the RET has jumped from 44% to 58 and support for keeping it has increased from 77 to 82%. Among coalition voters, 70% favoured keeping the RET. And the figures, are, figures go on. Um, so uh, clearly in the community, there's massive support for mm. what the government doesn't want to do. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it does seem to be a bit of a political manoeuvre um, the Prime Minister's um, implementing here to shore up his position as, as Prime Minister. Um, so, you know, if you if you look back to um, when he seized the leadership of the Liberal Party, it was his strong opposition to um, 
the uh, the carbon pricing scheme and and the nation's um, climate change policies. I think this is a, a second attempt to kind of uh, you know project that that um, that anti climate um, position in his own party by you know making it about renewables. And if he can if he can be the prime minister that that uh, you know forces the renewable energy sector to crash and burn, then that will probably be a delight to some of his and colleagues. And the planet to burn with it. Well, that's what's at stake here. Exactly. We might come back to that very shortly, in fact. But on, on that point, um, the, the industry minister, McFarlane, is leading the debate. He seems to be running as sort of senior, and the, the environment minister, Hunt, is the junior. If it was a court case, I think that's how they'd be. Um, it, it's significant, it seems to me, that McFarlane is running the debate for the government rather than the environment minister. You've got the industry minister leading the debate on renewable energy. Uh, look, I think there, I think there is a bit of confusion um, out there, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a deliberate strategy. You know, there there always seems to be this kind of um, a slight difference between what um, Minister McFarlane and Minister Hunt are saying on this, and that makes it very difficult for you know the opposition and and other um, you know environment NGOs and renewable energy advocates to really prosecute a strong argument. So I think it's a bit of a deliberate strategy that they're going with to, um, you know, you never know who's leading mm. the negotiations. Well, in fact, at one stage a few weeks ago, McFarlane said, if we can't get agreement, we'll go back to the one we started with. But he doesn't really mean that somehow. They, they, they do give very confusing messages. That's right. And, you know, if, if he was talking about the 41 terawatt hour target, that would make a lot of Australians happy. And, you know, the government can do the right thing here. You know, they can do the right thing. They can deliver their election um, promise and they can just keep the target as it stands. One of the disappointing aspects, though, is that the Labor Party seems to be moving closer now away from their 41,000 and coming back to what the Liberals want rather than standing firm. And, of course, in the course of that, it's McFarwin, the ones who actually have 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 reneged on the original agreement, who are saying we can't reach agreement because they won't agree with us. Mm. Um, so there's all sorts of contradictions going on. But, but the Labor Party position is weakening, and that, that's a worry, I think. Yeah, look, I think it's worth remembering that the Labor Party, they do have a legacy of supporting renewables in the country. Um, it was the Rudd government that ramped up the renewable energy target to that 41 terawatt hour figure by 2020. So, you know, Bill Shorten, you know, he does have a legacy that he, that he does have legacy on his side. Um, you know, of course, renewable energy advocates such as Friends of the Earth would love to see opposition leader Bill Shorten back the renewable energy target as it stands. And if he does stand, hold firm and commit to that target, he will have the majority of Australians on his side. Mm. Although he, his old union, the AWU, did come out saying it would cost jobs unless we reach an agreement, etc. They, they're virtually urging people to go for what the government now wants. Well, the uh, 41 terawatt hour renewable energy target, that's what's creating a new generation of jobs mm. um, and it's going to require um, a new generation of skills. So, you know, I, I see this as it's not an either or, it's not a zero sum game. You know, as we grow renewables, we're growing um, our economy and industry. So I think the opposition leader would be well aware of the jobs benefits of renewables. A couple of the arguments that are thrown around. One is, of course, that uh, that solar and wind can't operate when the wind doesn't blow in the sun, etc., etc. Um, and therefore, you have to have fossil fuel energy 
around anyway because you it can't do base load. Um, comment mm. on that. I mean, there are developments here, aren't there? Sure. Well, you know, with all of the modern technologies that we've got going on, that isn't an issue. Um, and the government's own modelling, so modelling by the Australian energy market operator shows 100% renewable energy is possible and it's actually cheaper than the fossil fuel status quo. So their modelling shows by 2030 we can power our whole economy with 100% renewables. I think that mm. debate is a bit of a furphy. Mm. And we've now got capacity for storage, etc. that can, or we're certainly developing capacity for storage that can that Ab- can overcome the problem. Absolutely. I mean, look, we can do, um, we can store um, energy in in dams, and we've got you know the snowy hydro sitting there that can facilitate that. But also, we're on the cusp of seeing a huge um, technology boom around. Um, energy storage at the home. So, um, you know, entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley in the US, such as Elon Musk and the firm Tesla, um, they're about to be de- to be um, uh, providing a, a product for energy storage in the home. And this could be a huge game changer for how we use our energy and how we think about our energy system. Mm. And I think you've answered this question in in that answer, by the way. But groups like the Institute of Public Affairs, particularly through their spokesperson Alan Moron, um, they come out and and say that coal is heavily subsidised. No, I'm sorry, that subs- that renewable energy is so heavily subsidised it can only compete uh, with the heavy subsidies, and poor coal has to struggle along without any government help or subsidies at all. Uh, response to that? Well. <laughs> If you think about it, how were these coal power plants built? They were built by state governments and they were built, um, they were paid for with taxpayer dollars. So these are, these are fully depreciated electric generation um, infrastructure. Um, so there, there isn't actually, it isn't the case that they haven't been subsidised. They were heavily subsidised. Um, so to level the playing field, that's why we need market mechanisms such as the renewable energy target to allow for new entries into the energy market. And if Alan Moran was serious about competition in oh, the energy Moran, market, um, if he was serious about competition in the energy market, then he would be all for a policy that brings new generation online, generation um, from renewable energy sources, which is actually cheaper than coal. So um, I, I'll... <laughs> I wait for the day that he backs renewables. It'll it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see if he does that. Do not hold your breath, by the way. We're, yeah, we're, we're talking to Lee Eubank from the um, from Friends of the Earth. He's their renewable energy person. And um, Lee, on that uh, point, of course, uh, with with the oh, I had another point I was going to make. I've forgotten what it is now. I've had a complete blank there, Lee. But I did want to talk to you. Look, let's take a quick break. And I think what I wanted to say. I'll, we'll have a very quick break. Do you have a community event or campaign you'd like to announce on radio? Maybe your group would like to take a tour of 3CR and find out how community radio works. Are you in a band and would like to record a demo? Or maybe there are people in your workplace or activist organisation who would like to undergo media skills training. 3CR is a resource for the community and offers community announcements, station tours, studio hire and media skills workshops at affordable prices. For more information, contact 3CR on 9419 8377 or go to our website www.3cr.org.au. 
backyard with what it, what it cost to do the We were on air again now, <coughs> what it cost to do the thing. I just had a complete blank, but Ken Mooney raised the question anyway. It's something else I was going to ask, but I'll come back to it. Um, wave power, another source of... And in fact, they've opened one in um, Western Australia, which is serving a military base, I think, at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So there's um, Carnegie Energy, and they're kind of demonstrating a, a, a type of wave um, electricity generation. Um, but... So what generally in renewable energy advocacy, what really interests us are technologies that are commercially viable and commercially available. And when you're talking commercial availability, solar and wind farms, they are the best technologies. They're ready to go. We can build them and we can decarbonise our energy system. Mm. So, you know, it is really encouraging to see um, some research and development and some, some piloting of new wave energy generators um, you know, I'll wait wait for it to kind of come down the cost curve and become commercially scalable before we really start to advocate for that. Yeah. I've just had my, my, um, my complete blackout. I just remember what I was going to ask you. It was the fact that we do export so much and, and, and we export a lot of coal that's very nasty too. But um, well, two factors. The last couple of days they're talking about China cutting back on um on on, our, on steel production, so we probably have to send more less coal anyway, and that seems to be a problem. If you're going to send less coal, it's a problem, but if you're going to make more renewable energy, it's also a problem. That's I find that interesting. But in terms of the the twenty percent, I know it's of local energy, but we also export, as we know, and it's increasing every year, um, millions and millions of tons of of coal, um, particularly to China and India at the moment. Um, that surely should count as part of our our footprint as well. And if that came into account, the 20% would be much, much less, wouldn't it, in terms of our impact on on the world climate change? Yeah, look, I think coal exports, it's a very, you know, it is really important that we look at that and include that in our climate change policymaking. Um, You know, I, I wish Tony Abbott and Greg Hunt would have a look at the trends in China because China, um, they're actually, they're coal um, use has peaked and they're moving so rapidly to renewables that it looks like the coal export market for Australia, you know, our days are really numbered. So we need to start looking at, you know, what other sectors of the economy can we grow to make sure there are going to be jobs uh, available here in Australia. Um, and and also, um, you know, with the, the shift away from, from coal and the move to renewable energy abroad, um, you know, why is it that Australia is the outlier? Why is it that we're um, stalling progress rather than following the gro- global trend? Mm. And of course, this is all, well, this is not all leading up to, but it, we are leading up to uh, another climate change international conference in Paris due in December this year. Now, the, the submissions by countries and what they were going to aim for were supposed to be in by March 31. Australia seems to have missed out on getting their submission in, I believe. Yeah, well, you know, um, the Prime Minister, he does have an an international reputation for being a laggard on climate change. It's quite embarrassing. Um, But once again, you know, there is still time for the Prime Minister to to do the right thing, um, to get serious about acting on Mm. climate change. I think if if he did get serious, it would deliver um, dividends for him, um, political dividends. But once again, um, this is a prime minister that seized the leadership um, on the back of an anti-climate agenda. 
So, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath for him to, um, mm. to change, change tack. <laughs> a lot of not holding breaths here today. Um, the, the, of course, um, yes, Tony Abbott um, going to the, the people saying um, we, um, we, we he, he, says he, he now says he does believe in climate change, but he doesn't seem to want to do anything about it. Yeah, it's puzzling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that the answer? <laughs> it, it's just so puzzling. I mean, it, it's it's the biggest problem, it's the biggest challenge that we're facing um, mm. as, a, as a globe. So, so where's it going now? I mean, it, it, we, I always ask people with, at, at the end of these sort of interviews because there must be a tipping point at some stage where you've gone over the top and it's almost irretrievable to get the planet back on any sort of equilibrium in relation mm. to these issues. So where are we at? <laughs> well, we're actually aim- we're not aiming for zero climate change. We're actually aiming to limit climate change to two degrees of warming, and and scientific uh, analysis um, has concluded that that will be a, you know kind of a safe range of climate change that we can deal with. Mm. So we're not actually talking about zero climate change. We're talking about avoiding the worst. Um, and I mean, I, I actually did a an interesting. Um, uh, little web um, kind of web uh, form at the Guardian website and it said insert your age to find out how many years it will be before we hit two degrees warming and um, for my age it looks like I've got 17 years and that is it so things are warming up quickly folks they are in fact um, we I mean, recently there's been a number of programs there was a very good series on NITV actually called the called the tipping point uh, recently and it was an excellent series and scientists are making it very clear we're getting to that stage mm. um, so um, so yeah it's politicians and I think I think as just we said earlier the community generally wants something done it's one of those rare mm. ones where politicians seem to be seem seem to reject what the people actually want. Mm. Well, you know there are there are vested interests up in Canberra with a lot better access than the um, than the average Aussie punter. So, mm. I mean, if <laughs> imagine if you and I had the access that some of the uh, the big fossil fuel companies have to the prime minister and these um, ministers that are making the decisions, um, I think they'd probably have a, a different view on things. Yeah. Or if we could sell the sun and the wind to Westinghouse. Well, there we go. Solve it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Problem over. <laughs> What do you reckon? We've been talking to Lee Eubank, who's the um, who's the climate change project officer. That's what I said earlier, and he seemed to seem to think that was a reasonable thing to say <laughs> at Friends of the Earth. So, Lee, um, are you building up to to Paris? I mean, are you putting some pressure on? And I presume you are. Uh, look, we're we're doing a few things. Um, the the first campaign that we're uh, running at the moment is um, in relation to a Senate inquiry uh, run by Senator John Madigan into wind energy. So this is actually the second Senate inquiry into a clean renewable energy resource uh, in six years. And it's the 14th review by a government or government agency of the technology. So we're we're trying to act as a bit of a watchdog in this process. It does look to us that it is um, Senator Madigan's wind energy witch hunt. Um, The credibility of the process is really um, up in the air, but we hope that he can, um, you know, make it a credible process by comparing wind energy to fossil fuels. All right, we're out of time, Lee, but thanks for coming in and um, we'll keep an eye on it and I think we're, we're still waiting to see what happens with the renewable energy target, which is a damn nuisance, but we'll yes, find indeed. out. Okay, Lee Eubank, there is the, as I said, the, um, the renewable energy bucket, 
Friends of the Earth, and we had Ken Moon earlier. And um, look, Lee, you, you're a guest today. Th- thank Paul, thank Ronnie for what he did earlier, and say goodbye and tell people we're looking at housing next week. Can you do that, Lee? Pardon me? So, he, was, he, was, he was miles away. Tell people we've got housing next week and thank people for pressing buttons and things. Yep, thanks, uh, thanks to all the producers running the show. And next week, stand by for some awesome, uh, awesome conversation about housing.